0: Chapter Eight of the Mind, the Paint Girl. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Mind, the Paint Girl by Lewis Tracy. Chapter Eight. Harmonies and Some Discords. The tussle-headed Maud came in with a pair of silk slippers and von Rettenmeyer, who would never be anything but an overgrown boy, rushed at her and grabbed them before she was aware of his intent. Permit me, he said. Maud slapped his arm as if he were an impetuous milkman. Now, Baron, she giggled, and there was quite a little struggle between them until he ran her out of the room. Then he cried, holding the capture triumphantly aloft, Gentlemen, let us pay homage to beauty. Follow me, all of you. Zam, Vincent, Robert, Nigo, Eddie. Line up!' Jays deliberately seated himself at a distance, and Farncombe, who was decidedly embarrassed, hung back, but the others obeyed joyously. Jimmy Birch clapped her hands with appreciation, and Mrs. Upjohn, who was pouring out the tea, laughed herself into a fit of coughing.' Von Rettenmeier, putting a hand to his mouth, imitated a brass band with drum effects. Then, changing to the staccato commands of a German drill instructor, he shouted, Links, recht, links, recht, quick marge, and headed the procession round the room. Baron, you great baby, cried Lily, blushing scarlet at the mock ceremony proposed in her honour roper seeing that the young viscount was not in the queue cried gleefully come along farncombe and miss birch encouraged him with a dig in the ribs whereupon he too joined in the revel von rettenmeyer thoroughly in his element when engaged in this sort of nonsense waved the slippers in air and began to sing in a rich full baritone weeb was ist in aller welt Dear and Shanghai, Gleichgestellt, Reisum Flossen, Wonderhold, Pearl de Schapfung, Herz and Gold, Tagsgedanken, Trom de Nacht, Schweben um dich, Sus, Sagt, Venus, Seinen makin but, der Dane Sklave, Dienstbereit. The following is a free translation. Woman, earth holds not more dear, you alone can be your peer. Charming, graceful, in full measure, rarest pearl, heart's fondest treasure. My waking thoughts, my dreams by night, hover round you, vision bright. Venus, bid me but to stay, your slave forever and a day he timed the promenade so adroitly that when the end of his song was reached he was on one knee before lily she entering laughingly into the frolic extended her left foot and he kissed her instep before adjusting the slipper being rewarded with a light box on the ears he made way for di castro handing him the remaining slipper and the literary celebrity performed the same rite with much empressement whereupon Lily dexterously upset his balance. Bland and Roper perforce contented themselves by kissing her instep, but when the girl found Farncombe looking at her hesitatingly, she raised her eyes to his in a distinctly self-conscious way and withdrew her foot. "'No, no,' she murmured, shaking her head decisively, "'don't you be silly like the others.' "'Tee!' cried Mrs. Upjohn loudly. "'Ma!' might be tactless enough in speech but being a woman she had a sharp eye where flirtation was concerned moreover she was rather alarmed by the attitude jays had seen fit to adopt and her timely interruptions scattered the group of laughing men gladys had brought in a stand containing cakes and other delicacies and roper seized it strutting around the room and mimicking the voice of a theatre attendant Ices, he chanted, sweets or chocolates, coffee, and full piano score of the opera. But Mrs. Upjohn was still watching Jay's furtively. Captain, she said, ain't you going to ave any tea? No, thank you, Mrs. Upjohn, he replied, affecting to examine some present which was claiming his attention. Lily, blissfully unaware of this morose attitude on Jay's part, made room for Farncombe by her side on the settee. "'You have seen our show at the Pandora a good many times,' she said, smiling at him. Twenty three, he replied instantly. "'Not really,' and her eyebrows arched with astonishment. "'Yes, I haven't missed a night this week, and last.' There was no mistaking the admiration in his eyes, so she turned lightly to a new topic. "'You are in the guards, are you not?' she asked. "'Yes, the grenadiers.' ah she said smilingly you'll never do a braver deed than enduring our antics at the pandora twenty-three times oh i like you better every time i see you miss Paradell. he ventured to say good gracious i had no idea i was so versatile she cried but er i do not mean in the character you assume on the stage i go to the pandora only to watch you I fancy somehow that you're just yourself when you are singing and dancing. There's no make believe about you. I. I'm a bad hand at explaining myself, but. He halted confusedly, and Lily was aware that she, too, felt absurdly tongue tied. Miss Birch suddenly choked. Her mouth was full of cake, and she was trying to laugh. Boys, she cried, appealing with a gesture for time to regain her breath, wait a minute i've swallowed some of the baron's german there it's gone down with a large raisin but honestly boys no rot i want to propose a toast and she raised her teacup here's a jolly good health to lily she's a white woman lily is the staunchest truest pal when she takes a liking jimmy's voice failed her again though not because of cake on this occasion and Mrs. Upjohn, unexpectedly yielding to emotion, rose and embraced her daughter. "'And the best girl breathin', she cried tremulously. "'Have any of you noticed the dress I'm wearin' this afternoon? Fifteen guineas it's cost her. "'Madame Godolphin made it, and I art to go with it. oh sweet!' The good lady, deaf to Lily's plaintiff, "'Hush, mother!' paraded before them, "'showing off the points of her gown.' But Jimmy Birch came to the rescue by lifting her teacup again. "'Here's to Lily in a cup of tea!' she cried. The toast was honored with enthusiasm, and Lily murmured brokenly that she thanked them from the bottom of her heart. Jimmy Birch, however, was strung up to an intense pitch of excitement and meant to have her say willy-nilly. "'By Jove!' she went on. "'Lil saved me once from going home to a cheap lodging "'and taking a dose of rat-killer!' "'A pity, a great pity,' murmured von Rettenmeier, "'taking care to be well out of range. "'I'll attend to you presently, Baron,' said Miss Birch. "'But listen, all of you. "'It was my first morning at the Pandora. "'They'd had me up from Harrogate in a hurry "'to take Gwenny Harker's place.' I'd been playing her part in the number-two company in the country, and she'd left em in a hole to get married to a stupid lord. She broke off to smile sweetly at Farncombe. Sorry, she cried. I forgot you were one. A lord, I mean. I was only to have one rehearsal, and oh, didn't they treat me abominably. Eva Shafto was late, and we were all hanging about on the stage waiting for her i've never felt so cold in my life nor so lonely not a word of welcome not a nod from a single soul simply a blank stare occasionally from a haughty beauty with a curled lip and at last when i was on the point of howling i became conscious that somebody was watching me a tall pretty thing in a lavender frock i caught her eye and she came straight over and sat down beside me shaky she said a corpse, said I, and she quietly took my hand and held it till Eva Shafto condescended to stroll in. When I got up, I asked her who she was. Oh, my God, I said, I'll never forget your kindness. Why, of course, you're the mind-the-paint girl. The tremulous little speech might almost have been a stage cue. Roper, de Castro, and von Rettenmeyer instantly began singing the famous chorus, And Vincent Bland rushed to the piano and thumped out the air. There were tears in Lily's eyes for she knew just how her friend had felt on that miserable morning. But almost unconsciously her body began to sway to the rhythm of the tune. Sing it for us, Lil, won't you? pleaded Roper. She stood up pressing her hands to her temples. Oh, I couldn't. It's gone, she cried. But Bland, understanding the soul of the artist, played the introductory symphony, and waited. Silently some of the men moved chairs and tables out of the way, and Lily began to sing. "'I've a very charming dwelling, you know where without the telling, decorated in a style that's rather quaint, smart and quaint. When you pay the house a visit, you may scrutinize or quiz it, but you mustn't touch the paint, brand-new paint.' mind the paint mind the paint no matter whether maple's bills are settled or they ain't once you smear it or you scratch it it's impossible to match it so take care please of the paint of the paint the piano dashed off into a dance movement and the girl yielding to the subtle call of the music danced a few steps most gracefully while jimmy birch promptly marshalled her three supporters as a chorus and thereby added an impromptu stage setting that was very effective. Again the piano halted expectantly, and Lily sang the second verse. "'I'm possessed of all the graces. Oh, a perfect dream, my face is It may owe to art a trifle, or it mayn't. Hmm, it mayn't. And I'll cry out for assistance, should you fail to keep your distance. Goodness gracious, mind the paint, mind the paint!' Mind the paint, mind the paint, a girl is not a sinner just because she's not a saint. But my heart shall hold you dearer, you may come a little nearer, if you'll only mind the paint, mind the paint. This time Mrs. Upjohn sang and postured with the others. Bland was in the humour to carry the girl through the whole of the song, but Lily flung herself on to a settee and laughingly held up her hands in protest, no more if you love me she cried no not another word i've had such a stiff day whereupon ma recollected her guardian role and assumed it with sudden energy out you go all of you out you go she cried come on said miss birch shaking hands with farncombe let's mizzle it's cruel of us to tire her so mrs upjohn tapped von rettenmeyer familiarly on the shoulder with an emphatic now then, Baron," he bowed profoundly. "I'm coming," he said. "Well, gone, tittered Jimmy Birch and pulled him away. Still, Missus Upjohn maintained her dragon-like attitude. "You too, Mister De Castro," she cried, catching Sam's eye. "However, do you think she's going to get through her work tonight?" De Castro was rather breathless after his recent exertions. "Quite right, Ma," he agreed. At with a thupper and a dance afterworth.' Roper turned on him as a terrier might dash after a rabbit. "'You damned fool!' he breathed. De Castro clapped his hand to his mouth. "'Oh!' he muttered. Nor did he mend matters in the slightest degree by glancing at Jace, who had heard what he said, and now strode forward ponderously. "'Good-bye, Nico, said Roper uneasily, and De Castro's farewell was equally flurried. "'Good-bye,' said Jays dryly, with a look that spoke volumes. Bland, talking to Lily, was blissfully unaware of de Castro's slip. "'Ah, that jingle,' he said pensively, "'an echo of old times, eh?' "'Yes, but not better times than these, Vin,' she murmured affectionately. He fondled her hand for a moment. "'No, Lil, there are so many tunes left for you in life, my dear.' and the monocle lost all its cynicism for the moment. She would have made some impulsive reply, but Viscount Farncombe had come to bid her farewell. Thank you, thank you very much, he said fervently. It was glorious. I really ought to be ashamed of myself, she said, seized with sudden timidity. But I was carried away when I heard Vincent strumming the piano. It reminded me of the first time we rehearsed that song together. Oh, I mean every word I said, protested Farncombe. Tish, she cried lightly. See you again soon, perhaps? Yes, yes, of course. Roper, alert now to stop any further disclosures, called to him. The young man looked round the room and saw that Nico was standing near the entrance to the conservatory. Good-bye, Captain Jays, he cried agreeably. The other turned on hearing the voice. Good-bye, he nodded with a quiet smile. "'Farncombe shook hands with Mrs. Upjohn. "'I've had a delightful afternoon,' he said. "'Really, I've enjoyed myself amazingly.' "'Oh, we're always glad when a few folks pop in,' said Ma, "'though she slightly spoiled the effect of a gracious remark by adding, "'If they don't overstay their welcome.' "'Naturally. Good-bye.' "'And Farncombe vanished hurriedly. "'Mrs. Upjohn meant to clear everybody out. "'You too, Captain?' she said, waiting at the door. In one minute, he said, I want just half a dozen words with Lily. Nah, you won't keep her longer, persisted Ma, feeling that she was doing her best on behalf of the conspiracy. No, no, said Jays grimly. I know she won't be home till four o'clock tomorrow morning at the earliest. Mrs. Upjohn was vanquished and went out. "'So Smythe is giving you a grand feed to-night at the theatre, I hear,' he said, watching Lily rearranging various cushions in a housewifely way. "'Yes, in the foyer,' she replied. "'And a dance, it appears.' She yawned unaffectedly. It was quite clear that the matter held small interest for her. "'Who told you, Grumpy?' she demanded. "'Roper and your mother told me about the supper. You didn't.' Well, Nico, you were in such a vile mood last night coming home. Who will you dance with tonight, he asked. She glanced round at him rather more alertly. Obviously she wondered what was troubling him. Members of the company, of course, she said. That doesn't sound very inspiring. Rather school-treaty, isn't it? This by way of comment, while patting a refractory cushion. Nobody from outside, he went on. No, it's only the men in the theater and the principal ladies. Roper's going, said Jace. Well, Nico, Lyle's hardly from outside. And Castro, Sam, is he really? I'm sure of it, from something I heard him saying just now. Lily weighed the point judiciously for a second. Sam used to finance Carlton. I suppose they reckon him one of us. Jays plunged his hand into his coat-pockets. It was his characteristic gesture when beginning to feel annoyed. Smythe might have extended the compliment to me, he said. He knows how I stand towards you. I'm awfully sorry. I can't help it, she protested. But don't you see? If Roper and DeCastro are asked, there may be others. Oh, dear! "'She sighed, obviously weary of a trivial discussion, "'and wholly unaware that Nico's jaws were set in a scowl. "'Some of the more juvenile boys, perhaps,' he muttered. "'I say, Lil, when did you make the acquaintance "'of the young sprig of nobility who has been here this afternoon?' "'The girl appeared then to wake up to the fact "'that there was more in this casual chat than met the eye. "'Lord Farncombe,' she said quietly, Bertie Fulkerson introduced him to me one day not so long ago. "'So, he's at your feet now,' came the angry comment. "'Pooh!' cried Lily, turning away disdainfully. "'Oh, you may say pooh" as often as you like. He's in front every blessed night. There he sits, row B, three stalls from the end, prompt side. "'You're too entertaining for words. Surely there are a few good-looking girls at the Pandora besides your humble servant.' She was facing him now, and rather inclined to be vexed. A scene was the last thing she had anticipated when he remained in the room after the others had gone. "'Rubbish!' he exclaimed. "'His glass follows you all over the stage. He's infatuated. I watched him talking to you just now.' "'Did you, indeed?' Her contemptuous tone stirred him to more outspoken anger, and his clenched hands beat on the back of his chair. "'God in heaven,' he cried, First it's one, and then it's another. All of them chasing you, and I'm powerless.' "'Oh, you're maddening, Nico,' she said despairingly. "'You are positively maddening. The other night it was Stewie Henniage you chose to be jealous of, simply because you'd heard him sounding my praises at Kitani's. "'You went on so that you almost broke the windows of the car.' I confess I object to Heneage or any man, raving about you at the top of his voice in a public place. Jays was inclined to be pompous at such moments, and thus unfortunately dissipated the very atmosphere he was striving to create. Snake's alive! she cried. Why shouldn't Stewie rave about me in a public place if he feels like it? I belong to the public. He might rave about a girl who's a jolly sight less deserving of it, as a girl and an artist, than I am. "'Well,' he allowed, "'we'll dismiss, Heneage. She saw her advantage, and pressed it to the uttermost. "'Yes, exit Stewie, and enter somebody else for you to fuss and fume about. "'This afternoon it's Lord Farncombe, and to-morrow it'll be Lord Tom Noddy, "'and next day the Marquise Grabal. "'One would think to hear you that I don't know how to take care of myself "'or to deal with any boy who loses his head over me.' "'You're growing worse and worse with your jealousy, Nico. "'Stop it. "'I'm surprised at you after all these years. "'It's beginning to fret me, "'and that's bad for my spirits "'and bad for me in business.' "'She had wandered to the tea-table "'and thoughtlessly picked up a piece of bread and butter, "'which she began to eat. "'And now you're making me spoil my dinner,' she added, "'though not without a touch of humorous dismay in her voice. "'And you know that's not good for me either, you brute!' Jay sat down heavily, his hands hung loosely between his knees, and he muttered, with an air of utter dejection, "'Oh, Lily, Lily!' "'Yes, oh, Lily, Lily!' she mimicked him. "'Why don't you put me out of my misery?' he said, blurting out the first haphazard words that shaped themselves in his disturbed mind. "'Poison you!' she inquired, munching the bread and butter. "'Marry me!' There, he had done it, and was at once miserably conscious of having burlesque the passion that was consuming him. "'Marry you,' she repeated, with unfeigned wonder, still not taking him seriously. Creeping behind his chair, she drew a pocket-handkerchief from his breast-pocket and wiped her fingers daintily. "'Have you come to tell me you've got some work to do at last?' she went on, cruel in her heedless sarcasm. Break the news gently, Nico, The shock might be too great for me. Oh, I'd find a billet soon enough, Lil, if only I had an incentive to hunt for it, he urged brokenly. Incentive? How long is it since I was willing to engage myself to you absolutely, if you could obtain a good secretaryship, or something of the sort? Three thousand a year, the folly of it. She little dreamed how that unctuous phrase was drumming in his ears. But he was moved to defend himself. Jays might always be depended on to find a convincing excuse for himself. "'I—I've no fancy for a beggarly secretaryship,' he grunted. She was seized then with an unreasoning anger against him. Why should he—why should any man—think he had a right to spoil a pleasant afternoon in this fashion? She threw the handkerchief to him and turned away. No, she said mercilessly. All you have a fancy for, seemingly, is to loaf about London and worry your unfortunate people. How a man of your age can rest satisfied with your present position passes my dull comprehension. I... I have been a bit slack, he owned. I have been a bit leisurely, but now... He looked up and fancied, which was true, that she was hardly listening. She had gone to the piano and was inhaling the fragrance of the roses Farncombe had sent her. The sense of contrast between the two men was assuredly accountable for the bitter words she flung at Jay's now. "'Nicco,' she said, "'that pendant, or whatever it is you've given me, "'I don't want to hurt you, but I won't accept it. "'Please take it away with you, do you hear?' "'Lil!' he muttered. "'I'm in earnest, horribly in earnest. "'You'll remove it off my premises.' The very sound of her voice giving a ruthless command in that precise way startled her. She relented instantly, and stole a little nearer to the stricken man in the chair. He felt that her stormy mood was yielding, and lifted his head again. "'My eldest brother Bob,' he said, "'has been at me to go to Rhodesia.' He wants me to manage a group of stock farms he's interested in, near Bulawayo. First rate, and why don't you go? The innocent question cut deeper than she intended. Rhodesia, bulawayo he said with a dismal smile. Will you come with me? Nico, don't be absurd. The mere suggestion seemed to alarm her, and Jays, who was no weakling, sprang up and put his hands on her shoulders exactly as he had done on that memorable day, now so long ago, when first he asked her to marry him. You wouldn't care a straw, not a brass farthing if I did go, would you, lil? he asked. She had discussed some such problem with him many times, but his evident suffering softened her stuff she said. "'Toying with a button of his waistcoat, "'I would miss you horribly. "'Who'd bring me home at night, then, "'and take me anywhere I want to go?' "'Ah, who, who?' "'His grip tightened, and she winced. "'Don't,' she cried. "'You'll bruise my skin if you're not careful.' "'He took one of her hands and stroked it gently. "'Well, it might be that you'd miss me for a while,' he said. "'Miss the old dog you're accustomed to find lying on your doormat.' But you don't love me, Lil, not even as much or as little as you did a year ago. You don't love me. She had never seen him in quite such a saddened mood, but she answered candidly with a faint shrug of her shoulders, Perhaps I don't in the way you mean. Perhaps it's not in me to love anybody in a marrying way. Suddenly their eyes met, and her speech faltered. Still, as you say, she began, as i say he cried and hope glimmered within him the fact is i'm accustomed to you Nickel. it dawned on him that this was a moment fraught with potentialities alas he had been vouchsafed many only to spurn them and he endeavoured to draw her close in his arms but she wriggled free and with the self-possessed laugh of a woman who did not know what love meant put a playful finger on the crown of her head "'There, you may there!' she cried, stooping while he kissed her hair. "'Now I must run upstairs, or mother will whack me!' Still he hungered for her, and would not release her. "'Won't you allow me to fetch you after the dance?' he said. "'At three or four in the morning? No, dear boy, I'll give you a rest. "'Uncle Lal or Sam will take on your job. And don't try to see me to-morrow.' "'Why not?' he demanded sharply, ready as ever to probe, to suspect. "'Not till you turn up at night, as usual, I mean,' she explained mischievously. "'I shall be a shocking rag all day.' "'Yes,' he thundered, with an ungovernable access of fury. "'I expect you'll manage to enjoy yourself thoroughly, "'and dance yourself off your feet, whoever your partners may be.' "'She tossed her head woefully. "'I expect I shall,' she laughed.' (laughs) Ha i'll certainly do my best and with that she was gone blissfully ignorant of the fact that this parting shot was destined to fire a mine which would explode at her very feet for in ordinary circumstances jays would not have stooped to any form of deceit or subterfuge even to counteract the plans of others deterred by no such scruples but he was aflame with resentment against roper and de castro and quivering with a sense of abject failure in the undertaking on which he had built so hopefully he strode resolutely to the telephone on the writing-table and placed the receiver to his ear gerard three eight four eight he said while waiting for a response he saw that lily had left the door wide open with a certain furtiveness that seemed oddly out of place in one of his stalwart frame he laid down the receiver, crept to the door, and closed it. Then he hurried back to the telephone. "'That the Pandora Theatre, he asked. Changing his voice with an expertness which would indubitably have amused and surprised Lily if she had heard, he imitated de Castro's lisp. "If Mr. Marth cooling in. I'm Mr. de Castro. Tham de Castro. Gone ith he? Oh, it that you, Mr. Hickfin?' "'Yes, you'll do.' "'about the supper party tonight "'that Mr. Smythe is giving to Miss Paradell. "'I didn't quite understand "'whether it's to be at the theatre "'or at the restaurant. "'At the theatre. "'Oh, yes. "'A large party. "'Oh, that is nice. "'Who are the guests, do you know?' "'Yes. "'Yes. "'Oh, and the boys. "'Oh, some of the boys are coming, are they? "'Eh? "'You haven't got the list from Mr. Roper yet?' Oh, he's been helping to get it up. Then we shall have a splendid time. The boys! Yes! Yes! Ha! <laughs> Thanks! good Replacing the receiver, he walked slowly out, with bent head and hands clasped behind his back, and the expression of his face was that of a man who had plumbed the depths of despair. End of chapter 8